Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello. Welcome to the show. Colin's back. He's in his rightful place. Um, <laughs> welcome to Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Cool. Uh, we're nearly there. That's three more to go, including this one, so that's all good news. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right today. I'm, I'm fine today. Got a busy day. Uh, yesterday, I uh, was interviewed by Nicholas Parsons on his show. He does a show very similar to this one. I think he's copied me. Uh, he doesn't put it out on the internet because he doesn't understand what that is. But uh, he actually said he wished... He'd, I wish I'd had him on here. I didn't think he would come on here, but he's very, very interesting. He's an incredible man, Nicholas Parsons. Don't, Tom Baker doesn't like him, but he, uh, he's, he's an incredible man. He's 88, nearly 89 years old. He was out there bantering with the audience better than I do. He managed to get a hug off a woman in the front row within about the first 30 seconds. That's what you can see. If you're, if you're 90, <laughs> women, women don't see so much as a threat, but you can still have a little feel. It's good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, with me, if I started trying to hug you now, it would look unsavoury, and I would get an erection, and it would, just, it would, turn, it would turn nasty. But, uh, so I won't do that, unless you're... Are you up for it? No. Uh, do you think he was saying the erection bit that blew it? I think it was up to it until then. Yeah. Uh, but uh, never mind, but I did that. And I also went um, uh, took part in the Malcolm Hardy Awards. Not as a... a I wasn't going to win a prize. Although I could have won, won a tournament. We were doing um, cam- uh, Russian roulette with eggs. Uh, I, but I was knocked out in the first round by Arthur Smith, which I think is fair enough. But I had to, I've actually got, I've realised I've got some egg on my jeans. Look, there it is. So you can see it's actually... I've only just realised as I walked up, we had to put these big smocks on, which I thought would protect me. These are my one pair of jeans that fit me uh, in Edinburgh. Uh, so, yeah, we had, I ended up doing uh, Russian roulette with eggs. It was quite good fun. You get five, a, a thing of... A carton of eggs with six eggs in it. Five of them are hardboard and one of them isn't. So then you have to smash them against your forehead. It's like the deer hunter... But more egg, but I said egg, egg, uh, but uh, egg-based egg. Uh, <laughs> so that was my uh, fun, uh, fun night last night. I didn't win anything. Um, Stuart Goldsmith won uh, the best publicity stunt for making a fuss about having his uh, fringe program censored. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I never win anything. Uh, I, I kind of fall between the gaps. I can't. I'm not. I'm not nominated for Perriers. I'm not allowed to be in the Perriers. That's what they're called. Uh, and oh I've just found out who's won this is very exciting this is exciting news for the people here probably not for people at home who will have uh, found this out already but Dr Brown has won some mixed response to that (laughs) and uh, uh, I saw who the other one oh Daniel uh, Simonson some pop I don't really know many of the the newcomers so is that good news it's a shame for Tony Law I wanted Tony Law to win what did not work that out when I said Dr. Brown had won. <laughs> that meant that you should have taken from that Tony Law hasn't won. <laughs> oh, he hasn't won as well. Oh. But it's, it'd be good for me. He'd go, he'd go insane with the power, Tony Law. It's good that he's kept down where he belongs, in the dirt. Uh, so, uh, cool. Well, that's very exciting news. Well, look, I think we'll get our guest on. We've got... Um, uh, he's a very interesting man, a very terrifying-looking man. Some of you may not everyone um, necessarily know him at home, but he is, uh, you may have seen him uh, supporting Frankie Ball, amongst many other people. Uh, and he is a, a fantastic comedian and, I think, a slightly terrifying-looking man. I think Colin might even be scared of him this time. <laughs> Let's see who's most scared when he comes on, whether it's him or you, Colin. Colin is, again, slightly in a... It's a smaller arc than he's usually given. People have come closer to him, but he's there on his own with two seats around him. People have learnt... Or maybe there were people sitting there and they've just been murdered. That is, you know, they're just in a bag under his table. 
You never know. But I think, you know, I think you might be intimidated by my guest today. Please welcome the amazing Martin Moore, ladies and gentlemen. Look out. He's a giant. He's an actual giant. He's an actual factual giant. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for coming along, Martin. Uh, you are, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you've got a presence as a, a man. You're a, a large, Thank you very much. A large, you're a large man, tall man, got tattoos. Okay. Got a, I'm just painting a visual picture. Okay. It's like the... Uh, I like the way you said large, tall tattoos and you didn't mention beard. I was getting on to that. <laughs> oh, God, I never noticed. I thought you were a woman, actually. Uh, and quite a large beard you've got. I'm trying to paint like a fresco. I'm restoring a fresco of what you look like. You look quite like a monkey Jesus. <laughs> am, uh, I the, am I the before or after? <laughs> yeah, after. I think you look like the after. Uh, so, so there's a... I mean, it's turned into a bit of one of those internet memes now, hasn't it? The uh, the fresco thing, which I'm sure you've been following, but there's, they've got, someone's put it on the, uh, the the Rio de Janeiro Jesus above. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be fantastic if they actually made that, just recarved the face. <laughs> I think that would be, you know, because in a thousand years' time, people would then start to believe that that's what Jesus looked like. Yeah, if we yeah. can do it bit by bit, she's made a she's made that original painting much more famous than it would ever have been. It was all falling apart anyway. And B, she's improved it. And, 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 yeah. and we've all had a laugh. We've had a laugh. She's not, they're thinking of prosecuting her, I think. I think this is terrible. <laughs> There's some old woman who's done her best. She speaks for all of humanity. And, you know, I, <laughs> I want to go to that church. I thought it was in Italy. It's in Spain. Yeah, it's in Spain. I said, I said Italy. I tried to correct myself. So anyway, how's Edinburgh been going for you? It's been going very well, thank You've you. You've had a good one this yeah, year. Yes, good. A bit tiring. Yes, of course. But, uh, we're, yeah, well, we're, we're old men now. Yeah, that's it. We are. We go to the. We meet each other. We've seen each other in the gym a couple of times. Uh, Martin goes a lot more than I do, but uh, uh, just trying to, trying <laughs> to keep alive. You, trying to, yeah. you kept going all the way through because I, I managed until about a week ago when I got ill and then right. I've stopped. But you've kept going all the way through till yesterday. Yeah. Now I'm finished. Now. Have you finished? That's, that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should go in on Monday. Just it's to, quite just a um, it's quite a gay pickup gem that part, isn't is it? it? I don't know. I haven't. Have you not noticed? I haven't, well, ah. I haven't been picked. Have you been picked up every by day? A, yeah. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's um, I won't name it, but it's just down the road from here. It's the Virgin and, Active. Um, every, yeah. Every yeah, they're not virgins. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're active. They're very active. Do they make you? Ch- they charge you towels when you go down there? No, no, free, no, no. free towels. Are you a member of this gym here? In just for the month. Just oh, for okay, this month. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a member of a different Virgin Active, and they won't, oh, okay. they won't let me use their towels, so I steal them. How is that? Yeah, I've got one at home. I'm probably not going to take it back now. I've realised because I'm probably not going to go back, and I'm going to keep that yeah. and uh, dry my Straight balls with it. profits. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make up for all the loss I've made <laughs> elsewhere. So, what, what's the show about this year? And where, uh, where is it on for the next two, two days? St- yeah, it's time two. <laughs> yeah, it's sold out now. So oh, is it cool? You lot can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's in um, yeah, it's in stand two, and it's basically I, I got reviewed last year um, at the festival, and one of the reviews said. Uh, absolutely hilarious and utterly lovable. Now, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I cut that review out and sent it to my mother. That's a great review, isn't it? <laughs> but that very same review got reviewed in another publication who said, this guy is like a rapist Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, how can people have such polarised views and, you, and you, you don't really know what you see? When somebody's looking at you, you don't really know what you see. Like, that guy looks quite gloomy, doesn't yeah, he, he does. looking at us? But we, we don't know what he's seeing. He might be thinking about getting a membership to Virgin Active <laughs> right now. But um, yeah, so I looked at that. So I set up a um, I set up an art project going where, where people that I just um, I put out the word on the internet and people sent in different paintings and drawings of me and some from people that knew me and some from people that just seen me on YouTube or got a 
you know, saw, saw a photograph. Yeah. It's been quite interesting. What, and um, then you said, like, backstage, you'd sent some to, like, uh, you'd written a story to send it to primary school kids. But no, no, I, I got a, f- I took a, f- I had a photograph. Not like that, taken. come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> not like that on this show. I, I had a photograph taken. And I sent it to um, I sent it to a woman who's a primary school teacher yeah. in Accrington in England, and she with her pre- prior commission, yeah, permission, yeah, yeah, yeah. or just thought I just take a punt. Yeah, she knew what it was, <laughs> and she um, she showed it to her seven-year-old class. Yeah. On the, she put it on a screen, and they um, the seven-year-olds all wrote stories of who they thought this character was. Yeah. and then that was sent to an artist in Halifax who had never who didn't know me. It was yeah. through the curator of the art gallery, and um, he painted an oil painting based on the children's pictures and some of the children's descriptions are brilliant one wee boy says and one of his stories says once there lived an ugly giant (laughs) who who was so ugly when birds flew past they fainted (laughs) (laughs) so you've got the painting based on these these descriptions from kids yeah so yeah yeah, and I can't really tell people what it looks no, like. No, no. Um, but you're yeah, going to do an exhibition of it or something. Yeah, it's going, to an ex- it's going to be in the Dean Clough Art Gallery in Halifax. Right. And they're, they're all going to be exhibited. And while I've been here, different um, comedians have also... So Marcus Birdman's done a portrait of me. Oh, and fantastic. Simon Donald's done one. And Izzy Lawrence has done one. So yeah. there's going to be a comedian section as well. So if you want to do one... Well, I'm very, be- very bad at drawing. Yeah. So, you know, I'll give it a crack. Uh, if I get it, <laughs> it's the only way to get in an art gallery. Yeah. It'll probably just, I'm, what I'm very good at drawing is... Uh, Penises, that, that kind of yeah. Like, you know what kids draw in the condensation of windows when they draw a penis? They're yeah. just sort of big spunking cock. I'm brilliant at doing okay. that. So yeah. I could do you as a gigantic cock. Or a gigantic cock, <laughs> and then with that fresco yeah, on, on top. <laughs> <laughs> just coming because of the fresco. That could be just spunking onto the fresco of Monkey Jesus. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, you into that now? Have you listened to the uh, podcast yet, though, a couple, from two days ago, Colin? Don't listen to it, Colin. Don't, 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 don't listen to the one from two days. <laughs> I said some horror. Colin wasn't here. I said some more. He comes most days. Right. You can't. Can you see him? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because some people can't. Okay. I'm not sure he's really there. I'm. I'm think, I, mean, <laughs> I have to check. I have to check with other. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's there. there. He's he is there. there. <laughs> and you come here most most days. No, just uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, just Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Just, just three that's of not, the seven. That's not weird at all, Colin. <laughs> He always sits there. Yesterday there was a woman. He had to sit there. There was a woman sitting. He was furious. You could see. Were you, were you angry yesterday about that woman? It is just life. It? Yes, it is it the is. way life. <laughs> it's the way life is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> terrific. And so, look, you've, you've got kind of a varied performance uh, career. So let's take. Let's get so people can find a little bit more. You worked in a. You've worked as circus performers. You still do, do you? Yeah. yeah. Occasionally, very. Occ- I started off as a juggler when yeah. I was a kid. And then um, I still do stuff like that sometimes, yeah. uh, mostly like children and family shows yeah. occasionally. And um, yeah, and then as I went on, it was I just worked in a freak show. And when I was, a, I should set it up when when I was a little boy, Bearded I lady. wanted to, no, no <laughs> I, I wanted to be when I was a child, like a little child, I wanted to be the tattooed man in the circus. Yeah. And I'd seen some film, and that had gone in my head. I wanted to be the tattooed man in the circus. And then I, I grew up to be the tattooed man in the circus. <laughs> yeah. And I should, have, I should have been the tattooed millionaire. I should have set my <laughs> sights higher at the start. But yeah. Um, so yeah, all sorts of stuff. You have to be quite diverse in that, in that field. Yeah. So you sort of, yeah, juggling and knife throwing. And, wow. Yeah. And you're you called Martin Big Pig when you're a circus. Because you, when you yeah. first start doing stand-up, you're called Martin Big Pig. Yeah, Martin Big Pig. And, and now it's Martin Big Pig for the circus shows and Martin Moore for all the stand-up and yeah. the writing. Yeah. 
It's like Stuart Lee. You have got two different characters. Yeah. One, yeah. one of the <laughs> one of them. You, one of them is the same as you, but you can pretend <laughs> pretend the things he says aren't what you think. Uh, so is there, is there uh, what, what kind of? Things? I heard somebody today. I, I, you know, around the corner here, there's a cafe, and uh, it's called the the, the square, square, isn't it? Yeah. It's called the square. And every day I have a coffee in there. And today I heard some punters, and I hope they're coming to this show. I don't know where they were going to, what show. And one was telling the other one about Stuart Lee. Yeah. And the other guy didn't know him. And wow. said, oh, I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't heard any of his stuff. What does he like? And he said, oh, he tells stories a bit like Billy Conley. <laughs> <laughs> and I nearly went, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's mainly jobby-based uh, comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Stuart, it's main, main A song about, about banana feet <laughs> at the yeah, end. It does. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, it's similar. I mean, we're all uh, telling stories up here as comedians. It's, so, is that how, how did you get into the? How did you get into the circus? Were you doing stuff before the circus stuff, or was that? No, I did that from school. I left. I left school and I went travelling. Yeah. And I wanted to find a way that you could keep travelling. And I just fell in with some people that were circus performers. I met people in Europe that were circus performers. Yeah. And just started training from then. And then by chance, because I, I, so I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm from Northern Ireland, and um, by in those days because of the troubles there was loads of arts funding so just by luck in Northern Ireland I got loads of funding to, do, to train for stuff yeah, thank god for the troubles yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah 35 years of troubles <laughs> but I can juggle really really well <laughs> and so something like knife throwing when you're practicing that Practicing? Yeah. Do you have to practice? When no, you practice, I, do you have someone there practicing? There's yeah, a few I, kind of stunt people. A, yeah. Who kind of have knives stuck in Girl, their heads. Girl, girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I used to, when I when I was in a double act. It was my um my girlfriend was the double act partner. Right. She was a rope walker, a, a tightrope walker, and then she was the the dummy in the um in the the knife throwing. Is act. that what they're called? Uh, yeah, what yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but then it all came to an end. What we what I used to it do was. Came to I, an I, end. I, I, Basically, I had this act where I put, um, you know, photographic paper that um, photographers would hang behind you yes. as, a, as a backdrop. Yeah, yeah. So I got a screen of that, and she would stand against the board, and I had the screen would go in front of her so you couldn't see where she was. And then I, I would throw the knives, and yeah. it would make an outline of her, and then she would burst through it as, at the end. It was quite spectacular. Yeah. And then I decided we'd do it with, with meat cleavers. And that was the end. That was she drew the line. <laughs> the meat cleavers. But I've I've actually done it recently. I got commissioned to do it recently at an, an event, and I went to do it. And I thought, oh, I'll get a chance to practice because it's been in the attic for ages. <laughs> and um, I didn't get the chance to practice. And then when I got there, the volunteer was the it was a corporate thing. The bo- it was the boss, right? And I just thought, even if it goes wrong, they'll be quite pleased. They're still. <laughs> They'll still like it, won't they? Did you ever hit people when you when you did? You actually, you know, is there any danger of it? I hit my girlfriend when I was learning it. You you can't. But there's a technique that you can do that if you if it goes wrong when you're because you have to try and get it as close as possible. Yeah. There's a way that you can do it so that it's the handle that's going to hit them and. Uh, so the blade's going in, yeah. but it's going in at such an angle that if anything's going to hit them, it'll be the handle, so they get bruised right. rather than stabbed. Oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who gets yeah. paid more in a, in a knife thrower? Thrower. The, the thrower. The thrower, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so what got you... And how did you get into the stand-up comedy from that? Was that from street performing and then... And yeah, I was, sort of I was in Manchester. I lived yeah. in Manchester, and I'd broken my ankle. In, uh, I was training for an act that I was going to... A freestanding ladder act that I was going to taken to Europe right. it's basically you're just balancing on top of a ladder with, with your feet on the ladder and your hands free so you can juggle and I fell off in training and broke my ankle 
And I'd known Dave Gorman, who I think you know as I well. Do, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Dave used to be a poet in those days. Right. At one point, he'd come to the juggling club in Manchester to try and learn to juggle sink plungers. Yeah, from such humble beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think he was going to go around the world finding other people that juggled sink plungers. I don't know. And, uh, other plumbing equipment. Yeah. So, so I, I'd met Dave, and, and in Manchester there was quite a smallish sort of performer scene and art scene. So yeah. I used to see him in the street and say hello. And uh, when I had my broken ankle, he said to me, I met him in the street, and he said, oh, you sh- there's a comedy club that's just opened, and it was a, one of the early, early comedy clubs. Mm. And um, I went down and looked at it, and straight away they just gave me, well, there's no performers. There was like... <laughs> So in Manchester, there was Dave, who was doing poetry. There was Carolina Hearn. There was Steve Coogan. Henry Normal was yeah. a performer in those days. And a couple of other people. But that, there was a tiny little scene. So anyone they could get to come, they'd put on. Yeah. And then I just started doing that. And I thought, oh, I don't need to have all these juggling things now. Like, you can just stand and talk and tell jokes. <laughs> it's easier. Seemed no a lot gets, easier. No one gets hurt. But if you Girlfriend get, was relieved. If you get a heckler, you have the skill that you can yeah. sort of take him out yeah. pretty sharp. Yeah. Do, do you know that story about the guy with the paint glass? No. Okay, so a few years ago, <laughs> I was at a proper rough, a proper rough gig, and there was a guy a bit of the way back, and he was he he, he kept drinking out of his pint like this, and then he kept heckling all the acts, and I went, oh, I'm gonna, I've got to stop this guy, and you couldn't. He was one of them rubbish hecklers that he would just say something. You know that thing that they hecklers do sometimes? You go, so I came here on a bus. What color of bus was it? And you yeah. can't respond. There's no <laughs> mileage in it. You go. Yeah, yeah. And so he kept heckling, and he, every time he heckled, he took a drink out of his pint like this and thought he was a big guy. <laughs> and I had a 50 pence piece, and I shattered the glass <laughs> out of his hand, and he just shot up straight away. <laughs> that, yeah, that was yeah, over. <laughs> for fear he had a ninja star in the, in the middle of his head for the next one. <laughs> well, it's good to have a skill, you see? That's yeah, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah a it's, skill. Good, it's good. <laughs> and you've, you've ended up kind of uh, touring with people like Frankie Boyle. Yeah. So how was how, how's that kind of? T- I, mean, I was talking to Craig Campbell, who's done the same, the same thing. I think he's he's, he's toured with uh, Frankie before. Have you, t- have yeah. you toured with uh, quite a few comedians, or is it just Frankie? Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done a few. Mostly, uh, Frankie's the only one that I've committed any long time to. Yeah. So on his first tour, we did like 110 gigs together. Uh, most of the other ones, you can just do bits and pieces because you've got your own career going yeah, on. Yeah. So yeah. But um, no, it's good. It was good going on tour with him. He's quite yeah. grumpy. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> but he's like that anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> and is it? And what's it like, kind of going in doing these big arenas when people haven't come to see you, especially? Yeah, it's really easy. Is it? It's, it is really easy because when you go on, they've got such low expectations in that they didn't even expect the support act so then you go on and maybe they're a little bit like oh who's this guy but then as soon as you get make them laugh you really won them over yeah but but here at the festival i did the um i did my preview show to 20 people so it's like the tech run through sort of show <coughs> i did 20 people and then i literally ran down the road there to the edinburgh playhouse <laughs> and frankie was standing backstage with a mic ready to introduce me and he introduced me straight on and there was 3000 people <laughs> It's just easier, but with more, isn't it? It is. When, yeah. you've done, when you can do 20, 3,000 yeah. is pretty easy. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can make uh, 10% of t- 20 people laugh, it's, still, it's just yeah. two people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can make 10% yeah. of 3,000, yeah. yeah, yeah. you're still getting quite a big laugh. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I'm asking all of my uh, guests this question. I'll get it out of the way now. I'm quite scared of asking you this question, but not as scared as I would be of asking Nicholas Parsons if he'd done one. Uh, if, if you had to have sex with an animal, I'm presuming you, you haven't. Um, <laughs> I think the animal might be a bit scared. If you had to, if there was like, someone was going to kill your family or something, unless you had sex with an animal, but they let you choose the animal. Okay. You could have any kind or individual animal. Which animal would you have sex with? 
A swan. A swan. Because <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah. it, would be, it would get one over on the Queen because she owns them all, doesn't yeah. she? <laughs> so it's a satire. And two, yeah. you could turn its head around and look in its eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all romant- that's rom- a romantic. <laughs> They can break your arm, though, with their neck. Yeah, it adds a bit of spice to it, doesn't it? it? (laughs) Plus, as I was saying yesterday, birds have cloacas, so it's all three. It's an anus and a vagina and a urethra all in one, which I think most men would appreciate. And if the bird's small enough, if you choose a small bird, you can be having oral sex with it at the same time because your cock will be coming out the uh, the other end. Yeah. So you're like, it's a four four for one. That's a pretty small bird you're talking about there. (laughs) For you, maybe. I've seen you you in the gym. (laughs) You've seen me in the showers trying to pick me up. That was you trying to pick me up. Have men tried to pick you up in the showers or have you just been observing other... No, no, no. Every day at that gym... I don't, I don't mind that at all. It's, no, it's pretty friendly, it. isn't it? It's just friendly. <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of a compliment. at that gym, no, they do it to everyone. had a chat yeah. in a, but you look, are you, a forward way. I think, <laughs> but I think you, you know, there's a certain type of, uh, of gay man that would go for the, the big... The bear, you know, there's the yeah. bear, isn't there? Yeah. Which you yeah. would certainly... Yeah, yeah. I you are a, you'll be a bear. Yeah. If anyone yeah. likes that, yeah. you are the ultimate one. Have you ever been tempted to give it a little crack? Yeah, yeah, frequently. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you go in the Virgin Colin, Gyms? I would go to... Would, would oh, go. I thought you were going, what direction? No, what man? <laughs> what type of man? Where thinking. do you go to have... Do you, if you were picked up in the Virgin, just out of interest, just as an academic, <laughs> where would you go? Because, you know, there's no... The, it's all an open plan uh, area. And you could go in the showers, but they've got... Um, the, the, there's yeah. just a door there you could see. But I don't think you do it in the gym. You'd go somewhere I else. Think, I think you go somewhere else. Oh, it seems a lot of effort. Have you, seen, have you seen Scott Agnew's show about the gay saunas? No. So there's a Scottish comedian here called Scott Agnew, and he's, he's got a show, a fantastic show, and it's called um, Tales from the Gay Sauna. Right. And it literally is another world. It's just, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I couldn't do it justice by telling you the stories. But yeah. Do go and go and see that show if there's time. And uh, I'd also ask another sex-based question. Okay. I, ask. I don't know if you watch Doctor Who. Do you watch this programme, Doctor Who? When I was a child. Yeah, okay, well, that's okay. Because it's for children. It is for it? children. <laughs> don't say that in front of these people. Here. They, they, they love, they love. Yesterday's audience is the first audience who didn't like Doctor Who, but usually it's just mainly it's either Doctor Who fans or Peter Files or a mixture of both. Uh, but uh, that is the that's the main comment. If I'm keeping all those people off the street even for an hour, I am I'm providing a service. If you had to have sex with a Doctor Who alien, it has to be not a humanoid alien. Which one? Was there anyone you chose? Well, apart from Daleks, what else? Well, there's all, I mean, I'd like to see you up against a sea monster. I think you could take on one of the bigger ones, you see. Okay. Because you're quite big. I think to you be could honest, ta- apart from Daleks, yeah. I don't know what else there is. Yeah, okay. Well, we could go for Daleks. Crack yeah. them open. They're not cracking. Who's he uh, called? The wee man? The wee Davros. Drink? Davros. Yeah. That one. Davros would be good. <laughs> yeah. A mouth to mouth, isn't it, Colin? That's the thing. And an eye, one eye in the middle of your head is an eye. So, um, that sort of cycle. Really quite nice to have sex with a sort of cyclops. No depth of no depth of perception. They can't tell how big your cock is. <laughs> they can't tell when it's when it, is it here? Is it nearly there? Is it a long way away? Is it just small? I don't know. Um, and uh, have you ever seen a ghost? No, no. Do you believe in ghosts? No. Good. That's good. It's I good. used to believe in Jesus when I was a child. But <laughs> I, I grew that ghost. quite quickly. How old were you when you lost your faith in Jesus? Nine. Yeah, I was about Probably. nine. Yeah, I was about nine. But the thing, one of the first things, and I did it. It ended up in Christ in the Bible. But one of the first things that really made me question it was the first page of the New Testament, where they have that whole genealogy of Christ going back to 
Abraham and David and everything showing he's related to David. And I, and I said to my mum, you know, why does it go through Joseph? Joseph isn't Jesus's dad, so why is it related? Why is, why is this living uh, list? Yeah. And my mum went, um, doesn't matter. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of thought, well, how come my mum doesn't know? That means it can't be so like, yeah, you know, yeah. you sort of immediately from page one of the New Testament, I kind of worked out. Because I was, I was brought in now. I was brought up in a quite religious family and I used to read the New Testament every... Every night, like a right, good boy, right. tried to read a little bit of it. So you could see through it. Yeah, and then I said, well, this is a load of shit. Well, how old? Tell me, how old? You'd be better with a monkey Jesus, wouldn't it? Now, if, it was a, if it was a monkey Jesus, I'd still believe in it. If that, if how they, old was John the Baptist? How was old he, was he? Because you know why Moses is supposed to be like, live to like 600, to make it work. Yeah. That, to make it work in the non-evolution yes. idea, in the creationist idea. John, John the Baptist, no, Moses was like 600. Yeah. Wasn't he? How old was John the Baptist? Well, he got, you know, he got, you'd be a good John the Baptist, I think. Well, because somebody said, one of the paintings in my show, somebody shouted out, it looks, you look like, that painting of you looks like John the Baptist. Yeah. And a woman shouted out, no, you look older than that. Right. <laughs> well, John the Baptist, I would have thought, would be quite, he was older than Jesus, so, uh, but not by much. I think he was like right. his. Uh, it was some kind of... It was the son of a friend of Jesus' mum, I think. Was he not before be right. Jesus? He was before Jesus. But actually, the truth the truth of the matter, if you look into it historically, is that John the Baptist was really the, the big head of the religion. He was the big figure that, that, they, that everyone was kind of worshipping as the possible Messiah. Right. Uh, and that Christianity had to kind of shift, give him a role, because he was sort of so famous at the time that you couldn't just pretend he wasn't the big deal. But they had to kind of make it appear as if John the Baptist was Jesus's sort of... You know, okay the priest predecessor to Jesus but actually at the time John the Baptist would have been a big candidate for being the actual messiah okay that's the his, that's the truth right. you look you're laughing and learning aren't you today yeah. mainly learning <laughs> <laughs> that's good i'm not here to make you laugh i'm here to educate <laughs> you should look into it it's kind of quite, quite fascinating because then there's all this sort of stuff there's a brilliant bit again and a brilliant that didn't get into Christ and Vite, but there's a bit where um uh, in the same gospel, when, Je- when Jesus is baptised by John the Baptist, the heavens open, a dove comes down from heaven, and a voice says from heaven, this is my, this is my son of whom I am well pleased. <laughs> Two weeks later, John the Baptist is in prison. He's been taken to prison, right. and Jesus sends him. Uh, uh, he sends a message to Jesus saying, are you he who, shall come, who, who is to come, or shall we wait for another? And if I'd been Jesus, I'd go... Don't you remember, mate? Two weeks ago, when you <laughs> when you baptised me, the, you know, the heavens opening, the bird. I, I baptise a lot of people, mate. I can't be expected to. Yeah, yeah. It's an important time. It's an important day for you. I can't be expected to remember on the talk. There was a bird. It talked. No, no, it does not ring any bells. So, so you sort of see these kind of uh, ridiculous kind of uh, inconsistencies yeah. in it. But John, you know, I think John the Baptist has been hard done by, and we should bring him back as the main one and start worshipping him. He'd never be made to look like a monkey, would he? Start afresh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Start afresh. John the Baptist, he yeah. was the good one. Okay. <laughs> and then he got his head cut off. Did he? Yeah. Right. It's on a plate. Right. That's probably the, p- the picture they're referring to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Although I'm not, sure I'm not sure he was bearded in that picture. The famous picture. No, no art fans in. He will be when I restore it to look like... He'll <laughs> <laughs> be a monkey with a big beard. Um, and have you got... What, how many times have you been up to Edinburgh? This is... Eight times with Eight shows, times. Yeah. with my own show, and then I, in the, the years that I didn't come, I normally ke- I came up and did a couple of you know, yeah. a couple of days. Do you have what's your favourite uh, Edinburgh memory or? I once saw Robin Entz in 1995 <laughs> crying in a toilet cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> out, 
out of sheer frustration. <laughs> and he's stamping his feet like oh. a child and, and just sheer frustration because yeah. he just couldn't get his anger out. And then, of course, since then, he's discovered the angry shows. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I remember that quite yes, well. Yeah, I mean, Robin, because Robin used, uh, used to be coming up when we did the first time we did this morning, Rich Not Judy, which was 1993, I think, maybe 1993, 1994. And he was sort of, he was sort of a newish comedian then. Yeah. He still looked middle-aged even yeah, then, yeah. though, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Still the, same, yeah, still the same attitudes. <laughs> and do you go and see other shows when you're up here? Cause yeah, I, I do. I don't anymore. Do you not? No, I can't do it. I, I did. I went to see... I tried to see, ev- I tried to see <laughs> everyone that's in my venue hmm. as a kind of solidarity type thing. Yeah. And then I, tried, I went to see all the shows at the assembly rooms but I don't go over the bridges. Right. Just because it's too stressful. I just, you know, when you get over the other side and it's all, everyone's got all their expensive posters and everyone's stressed and, you know, yeah. like you, like yes. you've been. Yeah. Yeah. I avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got, I'm, I've got a foot in both camps, so I kind of know what it's like on both sides. But, you know, it is kind of, it is, it is interesting, it's the way it's dividing a little bit, but I think, if, if anything else, like yesterday when I went on Nicholas Parsons' show, I went on. I went to the Malcolm Hardy Awards. You see, okay. but you see all the different kinds of things that are going on in it. And the Malcolm Hardy Awards is basically the people performing. There's lots of performers there, but they're kind of you know it's, it's a lot of variety and it's a lot of like 80s style anarchy. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of pseudo madness, but quite a few of the people who perform in there are genuinely insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just start. They're actually it's like kind of facilitating their madness, and they're yeah. allowed to go Which on stage. Malcolm, of course, would have loved. He would have loved it. Yeah. But yeah. it's you know it's sort of uh, it's kind of interesting. But I always think with comedy that you are sort of playing around with madness a little bit, and you're being crazy. Do you, f- do you feel because you're, you're a kind of intimidating and crazy-looking presence? Do you think you're keeping your sanity behind all of this, or are you insane? No, I don't think so. I think I'm actually really well-rounded. Yeah, to be honest, I think I'm quite, <laughs> quite relaxed. And yeah, yeah, I think you are. But it's kind of not. You know, you got it's either a release valve, isn't it? Comedy that allows you to See, get I, that stuff yeah, out. Yeah, I think in some people it is. So, so definitely some some <clears> people on the circuit are definitely social misfits that wouldn't... If they weren't doing comedy, they, there'd be something wrong with them. Yeah. And, you know, they couldn't... Stop looking at me and, and laughing. I think other people, it's just their personality. It just, And I think that's what I'm like, is it just suits my personality. Yeah. So the, the thing that people don't really realise with comedy is... It, the lifestyle behind it is actually the difficult part. The, the being in hotels on your own all the time and being on the road on doing 50,000 miles a year, mm. going around doing... That, that's the actual difficult bit. And if you haven't got the personality for that, you've, you haven't got a chance. No. You, you would go nuts, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, no, I, think it's, you know, I found it... I think, like, seven or eight years ago, I was finding it really difficult. If you're travelling around, doing all that travelling, and you're on your own, and which I would nearly always have been on my tours, and no-one's coming to see you, or yeah. not many... It is... That's kind of really yeah. depressing and not upsetting. And if Did you and me not have a conversation once about the the joys that we discovered we discovered separately in instant porridge. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it's really like on the road. Oh, you just bought had hot water. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. You get, you get like a little bottle of porridge, pour on hot water. You don't have to pay for your breakfast in the hotel. <laughs> you don't end up because if I go to a hotel breakfast, I end up eating everything because I feel I have to because I yeah, paid for it and it's so expensive. Yeah. So if I could just stick sit in my room and put some water in some porridge and eat that, maybe some, put a few berries in it to liven up a bit. Yeah. I feel you know I'm delighted and they, you know it's cost me seventy nine p and that's. Uh, you know, saved them some yeah. important money for later on yeah. to, to go towards that. But most most of us that have been around for a while yeah. have got, you know, it, it's not the image that you see with comedians, but most people now do, do go to the gym yeah. or run and do eat healthy because you just can't keep that lifestyle up for no. very long. So maybe we, you know, maybe I did it for 10 years drinking and taking drugs and going out partying. Yeah. But you can't keep it up. You just... Not for after 10 years straight of doing that. Every, yeah. every, every you, have to, you just have to go to sleep at one point, don't you? 
<laughs> but I think, but in Greece, I think you're talking about this backstage as well. But the, you know, increasingly in Edinburgh, you come up. I think when we, when I first came, certainly in the 80s and 90s, you know, it was absolutely about getting drunk. And you know, it was the only time I'd meet women because I was otherwise when I was back in London, I was had no money, was sat in my house yeah. eating baked potatoes. You oh. know, so this was the only time I actually even saw any women. It was like sort of being Miranda in the Tempest and going, "Oh, brave new world that has such creatures in it." Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, you would go out and the show would be an inconvenience. But I think even now the younger kids come up and they're aware it's costing so much and there's so much yeah. riding on it yeah. that you can't actually do so there you know you go out to the bars and often there's the before even the performers well there's no none of the young kids there yeah. and, and most of the well i think are, now now they the, the younger acts have got five year plans haven't they yeah. and they've worked it out their accountant has worked out how they're going to progress <laughs> and whereas we our plan was you go to the library bar yeah, that was that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and see so you end up talking to and see what happens. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny, but yeah, but it's sort of. I, I think that Mark Hardy thing was. Very, I saw Charlie Chuck there. Ah, you know, uh, yeah. But he, I mean, he, I mean, he's so brilliant. It's just so nuts. What he does is just nonsense and insanity. He was doing sort of sort of Tommy Cooper style magic. I mean, yeah. Have you seen this? Oh, he's got magic. he's got like an assistant now who's meant to be from Eastern Europe, and they just basically spout loads of nonsense whilst he smashes things. Up and you know, you know chance and gets me, and it's and it's so close to being just madness, yeah. And it's funny, yeah. But you kind of think, I wonder. I don't know him at all off stage. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's nice off stage, yeah, but he? he's a bit unusual. <laughs> yeah. But you, 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 you would know think that, so. You know that Charlie Chuck stuff that he was doing when he used to play the drums and just smash stuff on. <laughs> he used to do that on the mainstream circuit. Right. In, in the seventies, he was a drummer. If I'm right, he was a drummer, a proper drummer. Yeah. In Wee Willie Harris's band. Do you remember Wee Willie Harris? He was like this older guy. He was like a zany rock and roller type <laughs> character. Yeah. And then, but Charlie Chuck, you know, when, when we look back at the mainstream circuit and we think, oh, it's all Bernard Manning and all rubbish like that. It was actually was people like Charlie Chuck. It's just because they, they never made it onto the telly. Yeah. There's no record of them no. at all. So we think now there's all these really alternative acts. They were then. Yeah. But we just never... Well, they, you know, but, but unlike old style variety, if you go back to the fifties and forties and thirties, there was loads of sort of crazy. If you, you occasionally come across stuff that you just go, "Wow, that's so surreal yeah. and so unexpected." And Do you remember that guy used to bang it, sing "Rawhide" and bang a tray on his head? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> he, he became quite famous for riding. He was on like some talent show. <laughs> Did you ever see? You know when Malcolm Hardy used to. Um, uh, when he ran up the creek in, in yes. London and on a Sunday he used to have um, all these open spots would be on and he used to come he, every so often he'd say to me oh I've got a really great one and one time he had this one and she was called something like Princess Carl and her dancing duck yeah. <laughs> and there's a trick that they used to do in the circus with a, with a duck where they'd have a, a, a biscuit tin with a candle under it and the buck, duck's feet would get hot and it looked like it was dancing yeah. but she had this and it just was a duck but it didn't dance she just <laughs> came on and put it on a table, and everybody just sort of looked at it, and then she'd go off again. But what's, after you, if you see enough of it, it just you just enter a new world. You, yeah. know, you go in, and if you come in cold, and I was like the, probably the squarest person, if not in the whole of the fringe, certainly at the Malcolm Hardy Awards. I was there in my cardigan, was ready to go and smash some eggs on my head. And you kind of come in, and you're kind of in, in the wrong mood, and you go, this is just nonsense. And then it just gr- you see a thing after thing after thing, and it just grinds you down. There's a brilliant girl, I've forgotten her name, but she was, the, I mean, she was actually a very good singer, and she was singing You Can Ring My Bell really beautifully, playing a little kind of ukulele as she right. sang it. And then uh, and she was all wearing slightly skimpy costume. But as she got to the ring my bell, which she would, they, she would just thrust, and then there would be this ping, 
And then, and then she would t- she took off her skirt and she had like you know the kind of bell you get at a hotel reception which you hit. Okay. Go, <laughs> and she was mad. So she had this. She had this. She was a very good musician and a very good singer and a very pretty girl. And she obviously put all this together. And then at some point she decided, what if I then put a reception bell on my chuff, basically? <laughs> and so she and then she'd go, you know, love this, Colin. She went down into the audience and made some bloke. Uh, push it, and he was very reluctant to do it. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly reluctant. I would have been. Probably I'd couldn't have... see which bit to press. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got to be careful. You touch the wrong button, you get into trouble. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but he did do. It. He did it with the back of his hand. I think he was probably. With, I think he was with his girlfriend. <laughs> so he's like, he's going. If I if I touch that bell, but it's got that sort of you know, it's that kind of imagination yeah. that makes you go. Well, I'm going to do it. There was so much in it that it was sort of so beguiling because she was very attractive as well right. you know, and wearing a sort of skimpy thing, but very good at singing. And then there's people who come on and just shout crazy stuff and smash things. Yeah. Misbehave, uh, head-butted a um, watermelon until it smashed to pieces. Really? Yeah. But it was very, ent- <laughs> it was very entertaining. To so once you get into this kind of world, it's kind of very entertaining because you sort of think that. She said, this is the closest to a human skull, so if you want to ta- find out what it's like, if you hate someone, just headbutt a watermelon. She okay. got this quite small watermelon, put it on a table, just started headbutting and said, I haven't done one with this small before. Yeah, I might knock myself out. <laughs> but, you know, she hit it a few times, then it just smashes into pieces and... Well, you know, that's you don't see that every day. Do you? Great, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't see that on uh, if you go to one of the kind of t- haircut comedians. So they don't, yeah, yeah. they don't headbutt a watermelon oh, to pieces. That would be great if we could get misbehaved to headbutt the haircut comedians. <laughs> <laughs> There's a show. There's a comedy Until gala you'd go to. Good to do a genuine Russian roulette uh, with them. And um, uh, let me see what else. I've, there was something else I really wanted to ask you. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, so the thing I was going to talk about, I've, the, the, this is annoy- this has just annoyed me in the Guardian, just because my own personal bugbear. But I've been because um, I've done this. I'm writing a sitcom called Raw Rasputin, but it's only, it's only a, a part which, which you know you were saying you should be in. Yeah, yeah. There's a, if there yeah, ever was a part for me, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and uh, I think I'll go for one. Of, I'll get one no, of the. Doesn't I'll get one of the no. younger haircut comedians yeah. and just get a stick of a little false yeah. beard yeah, on. Yeah. Or just get have me to come get me and then they could just digitally remove the rest <laughs> yeah, of me. Yeah. Just having a beard isn't enough. Although it's pretty good. But it says, uh, SARS in their eyes. That's quite, SARS in oh, his eyes. Dear. It's quite clever. Uh, taking a lead from former Fist of Fun co-conspirator Stuart Lee, Rich Taring is set to return to TV with historical sitcom Rara Rasputin. Like most of that is me saying, taking a lead from Stuart Lee. It's like, <laughs> like I hadn't thought of being on TV. Oh, she's on TV. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should do a TV. It's like Stuart Lee has created everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like Stuart Lee had Just the idea of way. being on TV, and then I went, oh, yeah. Hadn't, hadn't thought of that till Stu did it. Isn't it? <laughs> I know how it feels to be Bridget Christie now. That's a ter- the terrible... Yeah, but it's like where Bridget, his wife, who's a fantastic comedian, uh, but every reviewer will spend at least a line, but usually a good paragraph, talking about Stuart yeah. in in her reviews, which is very frustrating. She was meant to come and do the show on uh, on Monday, uh, but she can't do it. But I'm going to have her next year and just talk to her about what it's like being Stuart Lee's yeah, yeah. second <laughs> second wife. I I see myself as his first wife, <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't give him children, so he left me. Did you? Um, <laughs> Did you get Fist of Fun released? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, the, the first series is out already from Go Faster Stripe, who sponsored this. Thank you for the little uh, plug. Oh, uh, they Good. sponsored this podcast, Go Faster Stripe. Do go down and have a look at their stuff. If you've enjoyed these 25 episodes, you'll have this for free at home. I'm talking to the people at home. I know you've paid here handsomely, especially Colin. <laughs> if, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Colin, I'd be going home broke, I tell you. So <laughs> just next year, just give me the money. Just give me a straight... I'll just come to your house and do it. And maybe not, actually. We'll go to the Virgin Gym showers and I'll do it. 
<laughs> I'll do the show there. But yeah, we basically um, we um, the BBC wouldn't release Fist of Fun, right? Because they said there was no. Well, I, I like to say they said it was too funny, and they would, they would, they would show up all their other DVDs. But genuinely, they thought there was no commercial uh, release, even with Stu right. being successful, which yeah. I kind of thought might spin it around for them. So we had to buy it ourselves with Go Faster Stripe. Um, you for, bought it off there? Yeah, yeah, but it cost right. us like 40 grand. I think, I think it might have gone up to about 50, because they keep on finding new... That, you know, they go, oh, you yeah. haven't paid for this year, you haven't paid for this year, and they get quarter of any the profit as well. Wow. So so, they, <laughs> so it's, it's been a very expensive business, but we've sold... The first... We're doing it in two big uh, chunks, so there's like five-disc sets with all the extras and all the studio stuff and loads of you know interviews and stuff, so it's it's got kind of value there, but it's quite it's 25 quid a pop for each is one, it? you see, yeah. so it's quite expensive, but well, that's why it's quite expensive. Hands, but, it is it's amazing, but we sold about... I mean, we sold about 5,000 online, we sell them at gigs as well, so, cool. you know, we've it's, 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 proved the BBC wrong, and yeah. their well, punishment is to, to get Neil, more money. I was talking to Neil Ennis, oh, yeah. and I was saying, why is the Ennis Book of Records never come yeah, out? Yeah. And it, it was exactly that. He said, the BBC have said there's no commercial value yeah. on it. Well, a few people have done it. The guy who did it, a fan of Joking Apart, which is the Stephen Moffat series, uh, just bought it and put it out, I think, with Stephen Moffat's uh, approval. And I don't don't know how it did, but so you can buy it yourself, but it means you have to have. I mean, luckily, we just kind of said, basically, Go Faster Strike said, we'll pay for it, and if it doesn't make money, me and Stu said, we'd obviously split it three ways. Because actually, for me, I was just so fed up with people saying, is Fist of Fun available on first one video and then through DVD? Seriously, about three people a week would ask me, is it on? And I kind of thought, well, I think there must be some commercial value in this. Yeah, yeah. If these, and we kind of realised that with our fans, they would, they will all buy it. So, yeah. but even with if something just, else, even if you only made your money back, yeah, yeah, that's it. Is, I don't care. I think if this is the way forward now. Is that to people produce things, comedians produce their own things. All they have to do is make the money back, and everyone's yeah. got something. And if you make more money, so I sell DVDs, and the money from the next lot goes to the next project. It never goes in the bank. It just no, it's the, a rolling thing, isn't and it? And with Go Faster Strike, they put out a lot of comedians who just don't sell enough money to no, don't sell enough DVDs to make the yeah. money back. But they will, make, you know, they do Stuart and they do mine, and those will hopefully make a bit of money, which will yeah. pay for that. And so it's an amazing company because it's not about making money; it's about making good DVDs yeah, yeah. of things that wouldn't get out. So do support them at home. Thank you for that little <laughs> advert. Later on, you're gonna have a chance to win some. Uh, DVDs from Go Faster Stripe and some love hearts look and uh, little um, the, the guy upstairs at the stand Dave has been I think emptying out some we've got a polyglider a Mitsubishi Zero a glider he could win uh, someone did correctly identify what the thing that I had the other day that I wouldn't say what it was on air was so congratulations to them I've forgotten your name uh, Spider-Man uh, pen and pencil and razor set <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and some other stuff as well, but we'll get back to that. Look, we're going to have... Give you, um, I'll give you some DVDs. Yeah, great. Put that up. Well, fantastic, we'll put those in. So, look, we're going to have a quick break for some stand-up, uh, and uh, there's loads of great comedians at uh, the stand, and the last three days we're going to dedicate to uh, comedians from uh, the stand. I've given tickets of this guy's uh, away uh, and other podcasts, uh, and uh, do go and see him if you get a chance. This is the fantastic Ro Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Wow, let me just steady my nerves here because this audience is uh, pretty much uh, the sum total of everyone I've played to so far this Fringe put together. So it's pretty nerve-wracking, plus about 100 extra. Colin, fucking hell, mate, still stalking me, good stuff. (laughs) Haven't haven't seen you since that weird gig in Dundee three months ago, nice one. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, wow. So it's nice to be uh, here at the Fringe. And uh, let me say, uh, it's an up and down roller coaster journey for acts like me who come here full of hopes and dreams that uh, evaporate rather rapidly, actually, as we realise a lot of people just go and see people that are already famous and 
people like me come to terms with the fact that we're going to spend three weeks standing out in the middle of Scottish summer pissing wind and rain, <laughs> trying to convince the world that we're the next big comedy superstar as we hand out our own leaflets. <laughs> it's great when people come to your show and they're like, oh no, that's the guy that gave us the flyer for fuck's sake. <laughs> this is going to be shit. <laughs> kind of gets you down, man. Oh, wow. I've learned some important things though, handing out flyers here at Edinburgh. Learned a very important lesson in the first week, and that is that you should never give a fly to somebody that has the word cunt tattooed on the back of their hand. <sighs> Wasn't expecting him to be in the front row again tonight, but thanks very much, Colin. Oh, wow, seriously, I was handing out flyers on the bridges. I went to give this gentleman a fly, just so I went to hand it to him. I noticed that he did have the word cunt tattooed on the back of his hand. I don't know if I need to point this out, but it did not look like it had been done in a professional tattoo studio. <laughs> Unless he'd walked into a professional tattoo studio and said, Hello, uh, I'd like the word cunt tattooed on the back of my hand, please. In uh, children's handwriting. <laughs> this was not the kind of tattoo you would see on Miami Inc., put it that way, okay? I've learned something else here at the Fringe. If you say the word cunt, there's often an American woman who will get offended on behalf of everyone else. She will not hesitate on standing up and go, That is a very offensive word. We're leaving now. The Scottish people in the audience invariably sit there going, Offensive word? What the fuck's that cunt? I've never heard an offensive word there. <laughs> And the American woman tries to storm out and make a big scene. She normally stuffs that up because she can't actually find the door. So I think we all know by now that Americans normally don't have a very good exit strategy. Oh! Cutting edge political satire here. Oh, man. But I, anyway, I saw this guy had this word tattooed on the back of his hand and I instantly thought, I, I don't really think this is the kind of guy I want at my show. A bit snobby, but hey, I thought, fuck this. I pulled my flyer away from him. Interesting piece of psychology for any other fellow performers in the room. It turns out that nothing makes a person want to fly more at the Edinburgh Fringe than pulling it away from him. <laughs> I do it all the time now. As soon as I pulled that thing away from him, he grabbed the other end of it like his life depended on it. We had like a mini tug of war over this thing. I became increasingly panic-stricken. I looked at him, I was like, I, I really don't think you like my shows. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, I'm going to come anywhere, you prick. <laughs> Oh, wow. And, uh, and he did actually come to my show. And, uh, and he completely ruined it. By yelling things out and, uh, and making the other two people feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> it was at that point that I realised that that tattoo may not have been his idea. More of a community service announcement. <sighs> From a former cellmate. So uh, it hasn't been all bad here at the Fringe, though. There's some cool things happen as well. I was standing out the front of my venue the other day and uh, a young lady came up to me and said, I just wanted to say I thought that was really funny. And I said, thank you very much. But then she totally negated that compliment by saying, and I just wanted to say, I thought you were awesome on Neighbours. <laughs> okay, I just want to point out I've never been on Neighbours. Okay, don't understand the British fascination with that turgid nonsense. We just ship that out to you so you people know what the sun looks like, Okay. <laughs> Funnily enough, we used to watch Grange Hill, okay? We were big fans of Misery when I was growing up. That show is the reason I moved to the UK. I was like, I want to be where the misery is, Colin. Because this country is like Israel for the miserable. <laughs> Zamo was my guy on Grange Hill. He was meant to turn... it only, only in a British children's show could you have a 12-year-old addicted to heroin. That was fantastic. <laughs> and he's the reason I tried heroin. It wasn't meant to work out like that. When I saw Zamo licking the heroin off the locker room floor, I was like, that shit must be amazing. 
That floor is filthy. Look how keen Zamo is to lick the heroin off it. <laughs> anyway, I was going to walk away from this young lady when she mistaken me off someone off Neighbours. I don't get mistaken for famous people like a lot of comedians will talk about all the people they get mistaken for. That doesn't happen to me. I just get mistaken for someone that sold someone a kilo of bad speed in the 90s. <laughs> I was about to walk away from her, but she did something incredible. She popped a boob out of her dress and she said, would you mind signing this? At which point my memory came flooding back to me about how awesome I'd been on Neighbours. <laughs> Woman's breast can have that effect on a man's memory. I was like, of course, I killed Daphne. That was me. <laughs> I ran her down in cold blood. I've been waiting years to sign a woman's boob under false pretenses, Colin. As I imagine you have as well, my friend. <laughs> Took my little marker pen out of my pocket and I started signing away. I thought, this is a little bit awkward. I'm going to make some small talk here. I looked at her. I said, so what do you do with yourself, darling? She looked at me and she said, I'm in fifth year. <laughs> Which means she was about 15. So some very mixed emotions were going through my head at that point, Colin. As I looked at my marker pen on her mammary, and I realised I had just left my autograph at the scene of a sex crime. <laughs> I quickly scribbled it out and changed it to Richard Herring. You guys have been great. I've been Ro Campbell. I'm doing a show here at... Uh, hold the applause. Hold the applause. Doing a show here at Stand 2 every night called Midnight Meltdown. Uh, tonight could be the night where that meltdown comes true. Uh, it's probably a little bit late to be promoting that. So uh, if you want, you can add me on Twitter. I'm Ro Campbell Comic. Or you can go to my website, rocampbell.com. I feel a little bit dirty for that last bit. But uh, I've been Ro Campbell. Thank you. I'll give it back to Richard. Roe Campbell there, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. Catch him, uh, in, uh, he'll be touring around the country, I'm sure. He's, he's, uh, and you're touring, aren't you? You're doing a tour after the... Uh, Martin, you're doing Yes, I am. Where, where you, have you got it all set up? Are you going, where, yeah, it's, where just you? Getting, it's getting released now, the yeah. dates. Um, uh, so I'm going back, I go back on Sunday, and I just go back into club gigs. Yeah. And then uh, September start touring. Cool. But as well as club gigs, is that what you, is that how you do? No, it? I tend to now just concentrate on. I mean, I, I, I only sort of do club gigs when I'm working up a new show now. So yeah. I sort of tend to, when I'm on tour, I tend to. I'm trying to take the autumn more or less off from gigging because I oh. want to do some writing. But I'm doing some tour dates in the autumn, and then I'm, then I just tour quite extensively in the spring. I'm going to do weekends in the clubs, and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays in art centres right. doing the the tour. Yeah, yeah. So it means well, I don't know when I'm having any time off. No. <laughs> No, we none so of next us know. Year's, next year's show is going to be about train journeys. Yes, that's the problem. That's what I think. That's what Stuart uh, was, was trying to identify with this show, wasn't it? That right. he, he has no experiences now because yeah. he's either gigging or wiping a child's anus. Um, not his well, own child either. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> and then don't they haven't even been to the toilet? He just—it's disgusting what he does. The way he behaves. <laughs> but uh, funny with that road that road talking about that, I remember when I, when I, and talking of Rara Aspity as well, when, when we did Rara Aspity and I would leaflet myself, I now pay some people to do it for me, and thank you very much to them. It's not really worked out, but thanks. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I dressed up as Rasputin and went around, and I, re- I remember going to people, you will take this leaflet, you know, I was trying to hypnotise them. Okay. And one bloke going, no, I'm, I fucking won't. And I went, <laughs> yeah, and I kind of just thought, decided I wanted, you know, ridiculously, I decided I made, wanted to make him take the leaflet. I was going, you will, you will take the leaflet. He's going, I'm not going to take the leaflet. I was going, you'll take. And then I nearly got into a fight with this guy right. trying to give, like as if you know, me forcing him to take the leaflet <laughs> when he didn't want it was going to make him come to the show. So I nearly actually, because when I did that Rasputin thing, and there was a couple of times. There was once when we did a preview at uh, what the Red Rose, 
and uh, it was kind of a comedy or it was like a stand-up audience expecting stand-up and it turned out to be Edinburgh Previews and it was me and some other people dancing to Boney M music dressed as historical figures nice. uh, not very, and with a show that wasn't quite ready yet so there were, there were unsurprisingly some heckles and when they started heckling my friend Andrew Mackay who was dancing around a little leot in a little kind of gay sort of waistcoat thing a spangly waistcoat thing <laughs> and short leather pants and I thought it's not fair on him and I went down and I, I was sort of so in characters rescue and I nearly kind of attacked this bloke in no the way. audience yeah I kind of went right up to him face to face with him and I'm not the boldest of men what? but in character of Rasputin it kind of it just nearly went nasty and then it all kind of backed away and I think someone what? pulled me away but it was I was really ready oh, like I was to really ready that. to fight should we try and get that going now yeah <laughs> Colin I was so in you look like so the man character. for the job yeah I could never hit Colin I find a great thing to do with um, with leaflet. I don't leaflet very often, but I do a best of Irish show for the stand yeah. on the weekends. And uh, as they're going out, because I've just been to compare, I stand and give them leaflets because they've just seen me, so they yeah. know. You sort of go if they like, they know what they're getting, and if they like that, they'll come to the show and there'll be a good audience. Mm-hmm. But the thing I do every so often is I'll I'll just pick somebody quite at random and go. No, sorry, you don't look like you'd understand that. And then they really want a leaflet. As soon as, no, no, you're not getting one. You're, I know, I'll remember your face. You're not getting. And then they want to come in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Right, we're going to um, we're going to do a competition now where some you can win all these amazing prizes from Go Fast Stripe. I'll go through them. Not just a mesh, just me. You excited about you looking at the love hearts? You can have some love hearts, mate. Anyway, go on. Then. You've been such. A, you've been so so well behaved. That's what Nicholas pa- Nicholas Parsons gives his audience smarties. I should have thought about it myself. You can win. What is love anyway? My latest DVD. Uh, you can win Christ in a Bike, my last DVD before that as well. That's incredibly generous of me. You'd have thought these would have all sold out before you, you made would. the next one. <laughs> you would. Um, uh, Collins and Herring, War and Peace, Crime and Punishment. There's quite a few of those left. Go to uh, And Tony Law, the Perrier Award losing comedian, <laughs> <laughs> along with all of us apart from Dr. Brown, uh, is Brain Pouring, which is a fantastic DVD. And uh, there's some, I'll give out some of myself. There's some tickets to Silky. Nut allergy, uh, oh no, nut allegory, even cleverer than I thought. And uh, <laughs> Tony Jameson, Katie Mulgrew, who's brilliant as well. Katie Mulgrew, I'll do a fact about her in the uh, true or false. So we're going to make some statements uh, that are either true or false. Uh, I need you all to stand up in the audience if you want to win these beautiful prizes. Go faster, stripe if you're at home, go and buy some. Uh, and uh, if you think the statement's true, put your hands on your head. If you think it's false, put your hands on your bottom, the seat of all falsehood. The first uh, true or false is that Katie Mulgrew from the show Tony Jameson. And Katie Mulgrew is the daughter of the comedian Mick Miller. Is that true or false? Who was up here in Edinburgh from the 1970s. Oh, I'm false. Change your mind. It is false. She's the daughter of Jimmy Cricket. Yep. Who was up here in Edinburgh He was up here well. in Edinburgh as well, yeah. To sit down if you get it wrong. That's it. It's all self-policing. Colin is still in. For people at home following. Mick, Mick Miller. Following at home. <laughs> when, when, when I first ever met Mick Miller, he was some... He said to me, oh, I, heard, I hear you worked in the circus. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I did. And he went, I also used to work in the circus. And I, said, I went, really? And he went, yeah, I didn't have any tricks, but I was the only one that could put the tent back in its bag. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a statement of truth or falsehood, Martin? Uh, oh, let me, th- you do one and I'll okay, think Okay, I'll think of another one. Um, uh, let me think of another one. Uh, Silky, uh, who is the, in the show Nut Allegory, uh, was at a university in Scotland when me and Stuart Lee toured and his girlfriend at the time attempted to have sex with me in return for a, a T-shirt which had the former of chocolate written on it. Is that true or false? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as far as I know, he said it's true. He, said, he told me that he was the boyfriend of the girl who did that. I didn't have sex with her. I liked the T-shirt so much I kept the T-shirt. <laughs> she wanted to have my T-shirt. Wow, really? I wasn't going to give her my T-shirt in return no for a blowjob. No. That's the kind of guy I am. 
Does Sylvia know this? <laughs> he does, yeah. No, you, you told me. He told me it was his girlfriend. So have you got one? Have you got a statement? Yeah, I'll do a, a Robin Ince one. Robin Ince <laughs> has an extensive collection of videos, mm. mainly videos, of nuns in prison. <laughs> True or false? And what's the answer to that? It's true. It, it is, is true. true. <laughs> Thought it had to be true. Still in Colin. Oh, by the way, Colin is out. What got you, Colin? Which one got you wrong? Uh, the story Silky, you didn't believe that? Why didn't you believe that? It was obviously true. Um, uh, Nicholas Parsons uh, has appeared uh, on the Ed Sullivan show. Is that true or false? It is true. It's true. He was in a double act with Arthur Haynes. It was their last performance together, and Ed Sullivan said he was the best straight man he'd ever seen in his life, according to Nicholas Parsons. Have you got another, have you got another statement to truth or falsehood? Uh, Malcolm Hardy oh, good one. once pulled a gun on me. <laughs> True or false? <laughs> one man's gone for false. Everyone else has gone for true. Yeah, it is true. It is true. Um, bad luck, sir. Uh, Malcolm Hardy uh, w- uh, at the uh, uh, the Latitude Festival once kicked me and need me in the bollocks. Is that true or false? It is false. It was at the Glastonbury Festival. So um, <laughs> I think you've won, madam. <laughs> is anyone else still in? No. So you've won all these lovely prizes. Hold on up. much and I've got a uh, USB stick Colin have a USB stick have you had one yet you can have a USB stick for refusing to let me have an, uh, hold my re- erection against you like, you can have a USB stick because you look a bit like my cousin Nicholas I don't think you are him unless you're wearing a false beard and some hair uh, does anyone want to go and see uh, is anyone free at uh, 1.05 tomorrow oh yeah that's alright uh, or, uh, or 2.15 tomorrow I want some tickets hands first up 2.15 you can go and see Silky have a have a go and bet his snaggy girlfriend. And uh, he wants to see Katie Mulgrew, who, who's come out of the end of Jimmy Cricket's cock. <laughs> <laughs> she, doesn't, she does that in the show as well. She reenacts it in the show. And if she doesn't, ask for your money back. Uh, so uh, that's been fantastic. Well, I've had a lovely time. We've got two more of these to go tomorrow. Phil Nickel will return uh, after last year's Lost Podcast, where if you can only hear him if you were prepared to listen to him talking very fast like a Dalek. I'm not sure many of you did. So the good thing is I can just ask him the same questions that I asked him last year. Uh, and uh, on uh, Monday, we've got Rumpel, the kangaroo king, who you may remember from the first series. Well, at the moment, he's the only main guest. And I've got to talk to him for 40 minutes. <laughs> it's the, that'll be the 50th ever Rich Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, so it's going to be worth coming to. But for the moment, will you please give up for my guest today, Martin Big Pigmore. Thank you very much. And Ro Campbell. We'll be back tomorrow. Two more to go. We're nearly there. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>